0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the CS School podcast. My name is Grace Gupta, and I'm a copywriter at Customer Success Collective. The objective of this podcast is to speak with CS professionals from all over the world, learning about the hottest topics in customer success by stripping them back to basics and discovering how best to apply these strategies. And today's episode, I am delighted to be joined by Jenna Chow, Head of Customer Success at Invelo. Invelo is an all-in-one software solution for real estate investors. It provides users not only with the tools but also the education and feedback required to run a successful real estate investment business. Okay thank you so much for joining me on CS School Jenna. So to kick this episode off I'd really like to know and I'm sure our listeners will be really interested too to know how you a bit about your role at Invelo and how you got into customer success in the first place.
1: Sure. Yeah, I have been at Invelo for a little bit over a year. I started in November 2021 as a CSM, and this was actually my first position in customer success. Specifically, I've done a lot of different roles in the communication industry, public relations and marketing and sales events. It's been kind of all over the board, but customer success is my home. I really, really love this industry and the post-sales process. Um, And so now I am the head of customer success at Envelo. When I first joined, I was the third employee who was our founder, our lead developer, and myself. And I was kind of charged with the task of building a customer success department um, from nothing. That's so interesting to me. And I think think that, um, you know, we're
0: seeing more and more see more and more startups and more and more more and more occasions where customer success is cropping up but yeah. I can imagine it's like quite when quite a hard time to decide when you you know because obviously you know you'll have you'll have a marketing team and, a, and you and, well not always a sales team but you know they're mm-hmm. the kind of traditional departments you know that you sort of tend to sort of sculpt out as you're starting a startup but when do you think is that when do you know is the right time to start a CS function or you know a CS team department?
1: Wow, that's such a good question because from a lot of my research as far as how different companies run their customer success department, it, it's so different across the board. There are so many different ways that it's set up and when it's started and when you know attention and funding is pushed towards customer success, but Really, it's such a critical role, especially if you have um, a SaaS product, because most of the interactions with your user base are going to likely come from post-sales. So now, you know, consumers are way smarter than I think they have been. And they also, I believe, demand a little bit more like quality support and so mm. that's why one of the reasons why i think we're seeing a big rise in customer success as far as you know a lot of companies buying into the fact that it's a really important department to have and to put a lot of attention and focus but Coming back to when is the right time to start CS Function, I don't know if there's a wrong time. I will say for us at Envelo, it was really important for us to have at least a baseline of our product before we started to build out the rest of our departmental teams. And so for us, we had to have at least you know our product in a really good development stage and be ready to launch that to the public. And I... Started our customer success department about three months before we had beta users who were like the first round of users in the system. And that was really, really helpful to have at least a couple of months of, you know, building processes and documenting and kind of getting my foundation before I had users in our system. And so the earlier you can do it, the better, because all of that prep work is going to set you up for success in that post-sales era or the life cycle of the customer.
0: I love that. So you actually, before you sculpted out the actual department, you sort of had a, a little period where you were sort of just testing the waters and seeing the kind of, pro- and sort of deciding the types of processes you'd like to implement in the future, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if um testing the waters now. I'm looking like, like thinking back on those really early days at hmm. the beginning of the company. It was a lot of work. It wasn't that we were just kind of testing things around here and there. We were really running the company with the the smallest team possible and Mm -hmm. really getting ready to launch. And we had really ambitious goals to do that. And so it was more of like, okay, it's do or die right now. And uh, as startup, especially every day, every employee that you hire, every project that you work on is so critical for the, you know, the success of the business. And so for us, it was all right, we have got to you know, understand what our product means to our users before we get them in there and understand what that like first point to value is going to be because we want to get there as fast as possible with our customers. And to be able to do that, you have to understand your product really, really, really well and understand your target audience and your ICP. And so it was a lot of that type of work in the early days of making sure that if we were going to launch a product in our industry space, we wanted to make sure that we were coming into the space with value and with a lot of quality. Like, I think that that's Mm. really important when talking about a customer success team is that, you know, you focus on not just having processes and procedures, but being strategic and doing it in a way that is going to push a lot of value for your customer's Right. Okay. That's interesting
0: because you've touched on quite a few points that um kind of lead into my next uh well thing that question I'd like to ask yeah. you. So like <laughs> as you mentioned, like, you know, startups are notoriously fast places to work and and at the beginning, like you not don't necessarily have those established processes that you perhaps have in a year or two you know it's it's kind of like you like you mentioned you're just like literally kind of in the trenches and you're working really hard to try and to mm-hmm. sculpt out this function um and you kind of draw you know this is always like a topic that comes up in the sort of custom success sort of world sphere you know the sort of you know product-led versus customer-led uh sort yeah. of debate and you know when you're, you know, would you say that startups, would you say they tend to be more product-led than customer-led? Because, you know, you need to, I guess, put out that product before you've got, and then, you know, before you have the, your, your yeah. larger customer base. And, you know, when you're building a CS function from the ground up, is there a point that you, you know, a CSM, you know, can you like a, draw that attention, you know, not draw that attention away from developers, but, you know, you kind of you're thinking about new features and maybe start to think about like use cases, for example. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love, love this question because we, the first book I read on this team, um, that our, our founder asked us to read was actually product-led onboarding. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. By, um, Ramil, uh, John, I believe in West Bush and that book we were, you know, it's, we were so focused on making sure that our product was in a place that was gonna be intuitively successful for our customers and really focusing and making sure that our product was the in the best place that it could be when we were launching. So it's so interesting that you brought this up because we almost had like a full 180 switch when we um after we launched our product. So really? we were really, really focused on. A product-led model, and I think that it's necessary, and especially in early stages of a startup, because you have to have a viable product, and you mm. have to have a product that cuts through the clutter, especially in the SaaS industry, which I think a lot of you know CS teams are mainly in software, and yeah. so it, you know, product-led is is important, and it has its place in you know different stages of a business, and maybe product-led is the best option for a lot of businesses. But we quickly, after we started to get users into the system, um, understood that being customer led and customer focused was going to work more for our benefit. And the reason being is because there's a lot of software tools in the real estate investing industry, which is the industry space that we're in. Mm. And we did not just want to be another tool in the space. We wanted to be a tool that actually solved a problem and to be able to do that we had to listen to our customers and to the users who were in our system and so we did almost like a really big rehaul where we interviewed a bunch of our customers and we said what do you love about the system what do you not love about the system what's missing and what do you need and that really helped us build a roadmap for where we wanted to take the product and so our very first first value in the company right now is customer obsessed. (laughs) We did like this (laughs) almost this full 180 and we really, really focus on, you know, if our customers and our users are happy, then we're going to have a successful product. And so I feel really, really lucky. Um, even blessed if I can use that word to use that word. <laughs> yeah, to work with the product team that we have because they are a hundred percent bought into that Goal in that direction. And so customer success in InVelo, it r- is really really steering the ship in a lot of different ways for how we want to navigate our industry space. And so I I love this question because I don't <laughs> think it's a black and white or yes or no answer of are you product led? Are you customer led? Yeah. You know, you have to be able to be fluid and adjust based on your industry needs and also the value that you're putting into your space. So yeah. Oh, that's a fantastic answer. It's so
0: interesting that you made that switch. Like, I know it's not you know, no company is the same, but our security.
1: When was it you made that sort of switch to sort of become? Yeah. You know, a rehaul. Good question. So we, I came on November 2021. We had beta users in the system in mid to late January, mm. and then we had early adoption um in April and then we fully released our public in, or our product in to the public in June of 2022. yeah and during that early adoption to live release is yeah. when we decided to like really make this switch so and and oftentimes I I don't think we talk about the stages in a startup enough with customer success like we, mm-hmm hadn't launched our product we needed to do a whole round of beta testing and then we had to do you know an early adoption release for early adopters and then we launched live and then you know in November we announced a really big partnership and so we definitely could not have gone with that partnership if we had not made all of these changes along the way so if you you know, If you're listening to this and you are a leader of a CS team or you're a senior CSM, I would really encourage you to start to use your thinking as a tool for being fluid with your team because that helped so much with me and our lead engineer, our lead developer. If we could be flexible about how we wanted to move forward, then we we had we saw a lot of success, but if you're super super rigid, especially in early days with a startup, and you're like, "Nope, this is exactly the direction we're going to go." There's no wiggle room. Then I think you might be doing yourself a disservice when it comes to being a customer led or customer facing company. Love
0: that. Oh, thanks. What a great answer. Thank you so much, Jenna. Yeah. So
1: yeah. You're talking
0: about you know the early stages of you know of your your product lifestyle and the early stages of your customer success team. So. When you, you know, uh, you know, when you start making those first hires in for your team, like what qualities would you look for uh for you know customer success managers or senior customer success managers, you know, when sure. you're
1: hiring? Yeah, I love this. We've done a lot of interviews in the last year. I bet I <laughs> not bet. just for customer success, but for a lot of team members and um, we've really grown our product team and our CS team, and we're now growing our marketing team. And I think one of the most important things for us in the startup space, I'll answer kind of in in two ways. In the startup space specifically, we the first thing we look for is someone who has a CEO mentality. And what I mean by that is if I am you know leading a new customer success company or or uh, department excuse me then yeah. the people who come onto my team i want them to own their role and run with it i need creative thinkers i need people who are not afraid to like disrupt the process they're not afraid to disagree with what we're doing if they see a better way forward or a better solution that for me as a startup and running kind of the cs department in a startup is so important there there is so much to do there's so much <laughs> to do in startup and everyone knows that when you work in a startup especially in early stages you wear a lot of hats and there's it, you know there's a lot of different uh projects to work on that don't necessarily just have to deal with your customers. So hiring someone who can say, yes, I'll take on that project and I'll do the research and I'll own it and I'll come back to you if I have any questions, that's just so critical for me. So it's kind of a long-winded answer to, and and maybe a little bit broad to say someone who has a CEO mentality. But that was the first thing my my founder said to me when I came onto the team is like, you're the CEO of your position. And that was awesome to me <laughs> it yeah. was really really exciting to be like oh I have a lot of influence in how yeah. we move forward and if I put in the work then we're you know especially for my career that's yeah. really exciting I'm, it, I'm excited it's to move empowering forward. right it's empowering yeah, you want absolutely you want all of your you know people who report to you
0: or people in your team to be feel empowered and feel like they're believing in what they're doing because if they don't then you're not going to you know yeah. you're not going to get the performance out of them you know and they're not going to be happy you know they've got to feel like they're actually believing and feel like they're capable to do
1: yeah 100% exams. yeah and the the other side of that it, and if you're not a startup company or not in a startup company then they're you know the three things that I absolutely look for. The first is passion. I really want people on my team who love what they do. And we talk about this a lot in our leadership meetings is we want people on our teams who are high performers and Mm want to work with high performers. So in this startup space, we all really love what we do. And when we come to work, even if they're hard days, it's like, we're here. We're here because we've all committed to putting our best into this company. And we've seen a lot of amazing growth and a lot of amazing progress because our team as a whole, we all really love what we do. So Mm -hmm. passion is really, really important to me. Um, Communication is uber, uber, important, especially in a CS function. So any CS role that you're in, written and verbal communication is crucial. Those two skills have to be like top of the game, especially if you're going to have a small team, you need someone who can communicate with your customers effectively, but also with the product team effectively and the leadership team. Um, No Mm -hmm. role is siloed. I think there's a lot of like cross-departmental communication. So it's really, really important. And then the last one is organization, uh, especially... In a startup space, I need someone who is right. yeah. uber organized. <laughs> they, you know, i I am not. A, my leadership style is not to micromanage and to really yeah. uh, give the reins over. And so, to be able, you know, to have trust in my team that they're organized enough to get their projects done and you know move forward is is important.
0: You sound like an absolutely great boss. I would like. I wish I could come and work. (laughs) Oh, you. Oh, great. thank you. Your team sounds incredible. (laughs) Oh, but I love. Yeah, I think. I think that's another like big thing in customer success. You know the sort of, you know the sort of different. You know the. I don't want to use the word dichotomy again, but you know, between human empathy and, you know, your actual human CSMs and, you know, which is such a huge part of the job and also sort of the tech stack, you know, your, 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 the platforms that you use to make, you know, to get the most out of that customer data. Like, you know, it's kind of like a two sides of the same coin, I think for CS in, in a really, I'm talking in really basic sense of the term function. So you know after you've got your team or before you've got your team like how how as a in a startup how should you be you know how should you go about choosing your tech stack so obviously you know you, you're not going to have a startup you're not going to have like an endless you know bu- you know sort of money tree or anything like that um you're going to mm-hmm. have you you know you've got to prioritize like what platforms and what tools you need but how how do you go about that
1: <laughs> that is the question of the <laughs> year, I feel like. Um, but there, there are a lot of awesome tools out there. And we have, man, how many conversations have we had about our tech <laughs> stack and what tools do we need and what tools to implement and how much do they cost? And yeah. do we have the budget for that? It is like an endless game of, you know, trying to fit yeah. the right puzzle piece in. And so, I don't know if I have a perfect answer for this, but I will say that we have gone through a lot of conversation about software tools to be able to Mm -hmm. support um, not not just the customer success department, but the company as a whole. And the first thing that you need to do is look at your budget. I don't think you can honestly choose a software tool without understanding what your budget is. Um, And again... Not just for your customer success department, but for the company, because there are going to be some tools that are going to be beneficial for the product team, plus your customer success team, like Uh, Jira, for example, Mm -hmm. Jira is an awesome tool, Mm -hmm. mostly used by, you know, the product and engineering team, but it's, we're we're in there a lot as customer success, (laughs) like we're in there a lot interacting with our product team and, you know, making sure that we're following up on customer tickets and a lot of those type of things. But anyways, the fr- the first thing that you absolutely need to do is talk about a budget and be honest about your budget for software and for different tools. If it's really, really small, then I, I, there's a lot of companies that have startup programs you know, they say, okay, if you're a startup, you get this specific package for a specific amount of time or until you hit a uh, X amount of users. Mm. So that's something to look into, especially if you're a small company, if your budget is not very big um, and, you know, you need a solution. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing you need to think about is a CRM. So without... Yeah. CRM, it's really, really hard to manage your users. You're either doing it like in an Excel document, which to me sounds like a never ending nightmare. (laughs) Just like, (laughs) you know, keeping me up at night if I had to do that. Um, But there, there are a lot of different great CRM tools. When we first started, we started with GIST and it is a a smaller version of Intercom, I would say. Oh, okay. Right. And um, it was a really good fit for us as a you know, a small company with a budget yeah. and they had a great startup program. Um, and it has some pretty basic CRM functionality, but it mm. worked. Like we were able to have a chat on our website and we were able to, you know, manage customer communication. Um But we found out for where we wanted to go, it wasn't going to be the perfect fit for us. So we moved over to Intercom. Mm. And now we're also implementing HubSpot as like a a two-in-one type of solution. So Ah. for us, it's this ongoing process of saying, (laughs) you know, we're missing a really big tool for what we need to do um, and, you know, being able to, to talk about that. and. I, I don't know if, I don't know if you want to hear all of the different uh oh, like no, software yeah, tools that we use, but go um, for it. I, yeah, it's, it's notion is a great one for a small startup yeah. company because you can either have the free version or it's pretty affordable for like a team plan and notion is like almost a build your own project management tool and you could potentially use it as a crm um it would take a lot of work to like build that out but again if you have a very small budget then that might be something to think about yeah Uh, we also use calendly yeah um love calendly yeah. It's, it's so great with customers to be able to navigate all of that. Um, we use UserFlow. UserFlow mm-hmm. is an awesome tool to do like product tours if you have a software product um, and pretty affordable for startups. And then we have, you know, our our... Revenue type tools. So we have ChargeBee to actually handle, ChargeBee and Stripe to handle um, transactions. And then we use ChartMogul for data and reporting. And the last one we're implementing right now is MixPanel. So that's kind of on the data side of things. But Mm. we, yeah, we're growing as we're growing our tech stack as we grow. Um, But it is hard. It's a tough thing to decide your, you know, the different software tools that you use. And I will say that the goal is eventually to be in a software tool that's specifically for customer success, Mm -hmm. but I will say those are a little bit more expensive. And so just be mindful if you're going to jump into one of those tools that you are ready to put in the time and the effort to actually make that valuable for your team. Oh, great answer. So it's really kind of just sort of giving yourself these sort of check-in points and
0: sort of assessing where you, where as a team and as a company you are budget wise, et cetera, and think like Mm -hmm. where, you know, where we're going to be in four months time or something like that. And, you know, like you said, you know, you moved from, what was it? You moved GIST to to Intercom yeah. you know, know, it served its purpose for where you were at that, at that point. But, you know, that's really, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. And don't and don't be afraid to make changes if they yeah. need to be made. I think that that's one thing that uh, we kind of talked about is like, oh, well, we've already like put a lot of time and effort and we've spent money on the system. But if it's not working for you, if it's not mm-hmm. doing what you need to do, then better make that change sooner than later when it's going to cost you even more money down the road so don't be afraid to like look critically at your tech stack and say what's helping what's not what's costing us money but not bringing us value i think yeah. that's something that you should do at minimum on a yearly basis if yeah. not like bi-yearly
0: yeah that's that's really really good advice i think i think every- you know, not even just CS, like every department should be doing yes. that, you know? every <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. with a sort of, absolutely. yes, <laughs> yes, scrutinous eye. Um, so, you know, we've, we've touched on team members, we've touched on just now tech stack. Obviously, this is going to change at varying stages of, you know, being in a startup. But say, for example, when you started in Velo, like what CS metrics do you you start with and, you know how do those how and how do those metrics that you, you know the key metrics that you focus on how do they evolve as they you know a startup you know from six months to 12 months etc do they change you know I'm curious to curious to hear how you approach you know measuring measuring success essentially and your customers yeah (laughs) this is a big question sorry (laughs) I'm giggling
1: a little because data is it's so hard it's so hard but it is probably the most important part of your customer success department if Mm. you don't have any data at all you have no idea how your customers are behaving in your product interacting with it if they're happy with it it's a big it's so, blind spot if you don't have it, isn't it? Yeah, it it really is. Like it's almost like you're just like driving without a compass or without <laughs> ways or whatever it might be. <laughs> you know, you're just on a path and you don't know where you're going. And at first we we really felt that when we first got users into the system. We were like, okay, we We need to understand a few things. So um, our CRM was able to give us like really basic data, like how many users we have, how many users that are on, you know, our paid plans, when was the last time they logged in. Um, Intercom does a good job at like giving you those basic metrics of, Mm. you know, how to at, at the lowest level understand Okay, how many users are using the product? How often yeah. are they using it? You know what? How how much money are we making? Yeah, based off of paid plans or different and re- you know revenue incomes and in streams. So i I would say that in the very beginning, it's really really important to start having this data conversation. Data can get really expensive really quickly, depending on what tool you use to gather that data and then also how you aggregate that data because it do, it's not just going to magically appear. That's one thing that yeah. I, you know, I didn't really think about. <laughs> and of course it's not magically going to appear, but <laughs> yeah. I'm not really a, a data person. Like for me, you know, being in the communications industry, this is a whole new part of business that I yeah. had to learn because I didn't really have any foundation for it. So it can get really expensive quickly depending on the system that you use and then also how you aggregate. Because if you have a product team, they need to spend time and effort building those connections from your product to whatever data reporter that you're going to have. You need to have some sort of flow or funnel for that data to be transferred to a usable you know, software mm-hmm. tool yeah. or usable metrics. So I would really encourage anyone who is leading a department to have the data conversation ASAP if they have not already. And when we're talking about what metrics, what data points should you start with? um, For me, it was really important to understand how our customers found value in the product. And so I said, all right, what is our value ladder and how long should it take for a customer to reach these specific points of value so when they first sign up you know it's x amount of days before they hit the first value point x amount of weeks before they hit the second and then maybe like um you know two months before they're considered fully onboarded and once i once i at least fleshed out our value ladder and i understood our time to value then i could now say okay we need to, you know, have data that tells me how our customers are behaving with very specific behavior in the platform. So for example, we have a list builder, you know, where in yeah. investors can pull properties into their database. And if they're not pulling properties into their database, they're not going to create marketing campaigns and spend money on a marketing campaign. So I have to know if they're pulling properties in. And if they're not, like, where are yeah. we going wrong in terms of our digital onboarding in terms mm-hmm. of our customer support we need to make sure that they're hitting that first value ladder so i would say start there and then the second thing that i would say is maybe more important than understanding your value ladder but for me in customer success i needed to do that is also understanding your revenue and how the company is actually making money with your customers this is going to look different for every business and um you're going to have to have a conversation with your CEO or your founder and also with your product team and really understand, okay, these are the different paths to revenue and we need to understand how a customer is going to flow through that path and ultimately how many customers we need to hit that revenue point to be financially stable and viable. So revenue is really, really important. MRR is... I think, probably the most important yeah. data revenue piece. Um, but for us, that that was something we had to understand really, really quickly.
0: Another brilliant answer. Thank you. Oh, so yeah, the value ladder, MRR, are oh, amazing. Um, so I think really what we've kind of, at this conversation, we've been, it's kind of like, I think the big takeaway, I think, is, Re-evaluating your processes as you go along. I think that's because startups—they mm-hmm. they change so much. You know, it's you know, particularly in ones in hypergrowth. You know, so I think I'd quite like to know, like, what are some of the processes you've put in place recently that you, may- you maybe didn't have, say, you know, six to, six to twelve months ago? Like, you know, because yeah. it's a constant re-evaluation and change. You know, and you've got to be—you've got to be in that kind of mindset, haven't you? To be yeah. constantly, yeah.
1: Absolutely. One of the the biggest and probably the the one I will share is we started to do OKRs as a company right. and really narrow our focus and make sure that we're being really, really intentional about how we're moving forward. So we finished our first seed round end of last year, and you know, we're about to finish our second and last seed round. So now that we as a startup we we bootstrapped a lot of the beginning of the process mm-hmm. um but now that we have investors into the company like we're on fire right now like when when it comes to yeah. our focus and when it comes to like what we need to get done there's a lot at stake and and we want to be successful as a company not just you know for The product and for our customers, but for everyone who works at our company, we, you know, we really love what we do and we all want to be successful and to make sure that we were on the right track and that we were hitting our goals. OKRs was a way for us to do that. And like a ton of most of the successful companies, um, really run their business off of OKRs. And, um, that was an, I, we read another book, um, shoot i'll i'll have to send it to you after but right right before we decided to kind of go down this process and it was so important for all of leadership to be on board with the fact that, okay, we were going to set company objectives and department objectives, and we were going to create key results that were measurable for us to very clearly know if we were hitting our goals or not. Because it's so easy, especially in a startup, to get caught up in day-to-day and like how much needs to get done and how many customers you're interacting Mm -hmm. with and the, the projects that the development team is working on. Like it's so easy to just go from day to day without any real direction because there's a lot to do. So when you put OKRs in place, you know, if you're working on something and it's not tied to one of your quarterly objectives, it's like, "Mm, is this a good use of my time? And it really, really focuses you and your team. I would say, you know, we have an OKR. One of our key results is to get more customers into the platform from affiliate links. So wow. that means if if we're getting customers through affiliate, our customers that are in there now are happy, you know? So it's mm-hmm. important for us to really, really push that. And just by having, you know, let's say I'm going to add 100 users to the platform through affiliate links. And just by that, having that key result, all of my team now mentions the affiliate program. In conversation, because that's part of our key results. So it's naturally coming up in conversation because we're focused on that, you know, so, and that's just one example of how your direction and how your focus can shift. But I would say that's, it's, it's been game changing for us to put in place OKRs for not just the CS department, but for the whole company.
0: Oh, great answer! I think you've touched on something that I kind of was intrigued, and it probably doesn't apply to you because it sounds like you've got a great, great company in Velo. But I can imagine in startups, you know, there's they have quite aggressive KPIs, aggressive Mm. OKRs, Mm -hmm. and you know, you might have a certain sort of expectation from you know the leadership team uh, because you know either you know either uh, product adoption, adoption metrics, things like that. How do you kind of balance that? with your own team you know if
1: yeah. you
0: you meant you mentioned you've i you mean, you, mean you, meant, you mentioned that you've adopted okrs which i guess is like a uh, a way to kind of um bridge that bridge that sort yeah. of expectation with you know and communicate that to your own team i guess but
1: yeah i i will say our our okrs are still pretty aggressive <laughs> they're still <laughs> pretty ambitious and so um we do definitely fit into that category of like all of our OKRs and all of our objectives and goals. They're really stretching us. They're really, really stretching us in a way that, you know, we are doing a monthly evaluation. So we basically give our OKRs a score every month. So we say, all right, the end of January, we're all going to sit down as a leadership team and say, how did we do? On this mm-hmm. objective, did we did we accomplish this key result? Yeah. And if we didn't, why and how do we need to adjust? And one thing that I was really really grateful for when our founder decided that we were going to implement this and did a bunch of research on it is he was like, "We're not going to get this right the first time, and that's okay." Oh, we're going to try really, really, yeah. really hard, right? We're going to like put everything yeah. we have into this and really stretch ourselves to accomplish our goals. But, you know, we're we're not going to get it right the first time. And we may not even get it right the second time or the third time, but yeah. we're going to move forward in this direction because it's going to give us focus. It's going to help us really actually accomplish our goals and measure them. And it's also going to give all of our investors in the company a lot of faith that This company is going to be successful. Like we're moving in the right direction. So, It's not easy to have OKRs in place. I think that it's even maybe more difficult than just doing business as usual day to day. But it is massively rewarding when you start to see change in the company, like because everyone Mm -hmm. is so focused and everyone is on the same page with what the company goals are, then you start to see actual momentum and a shift in change where before maybe you were just like putting out fires day to day to day and kind of caught it up in in the grind of what a startup is. Mm That's, that's, that's really
0: nice to hear. Like, I think what you've touched on is like the challenge of having these albeit quite aggressive OKRs, but having that sort of quite comforting, realistic approach from your, you know, leadership saying, you're not going to hit, you're not going to hit all these. I think, I think that's also what's a great thing about the customer success community, like whether it's on LinkedIn or on Slack or whatever, whatever, you know, community you're in, I think, uh, you know, global CSMs and CS leaders are there to sort of give that kind of helping advice you know if you're you're, Mm -hmm. for example you know we've got a Slack channel and you can you know so many people ask questions on a day-to-day basis like I think that's one of the great things about communities like you know you can you can you can experience that kind of level of I don't know, sort of that 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 sort of comforting, realistic approach yeah. outside of at work. And I've kind of, you know, you've attended one of our festivals in the past. Like how important are the, you know, how important is like community and networking and sort of conferences in building a CS function from the ground up? Because you know, you've got all this p- huge pool of resources from and mm-hmm. people with all these different experiences, you know. How how has that, if at all, how has that impacted your last year or so at Nvelo?
1: Oh, if at all. Oh my gosh. It was game changing <laughs> for me.
0: <laughs> it oh, was, so it
1: was, um, it was kind of this light bulb moment for me. And I, I wasn't even the one that found the customer success collective. It was our founder. <laughs> he, oh, really? he had, yeah, he had found it on, you know, some random search and he sent this to me and he was like, Hey, are, are you interested in this? I'm like, yes, like give me at, at the time. I was so hungry for as much information that I could possibly get on anything <laughs> customer success related and how people were building their teams and what data points they were using and the tech stack that they were using. And, you know, how, how are they managing their onboarding process? And, you know, how do you do that with one person, <laughs> how do you, exactly. you know, how do you manage a CS department with one person and how do you do it for startups versus enterprise? I was just trying to consume as much as I possibly could. So when I first attended the customer success festival in October last year in Boston, um, I took full advantage of it. I talked to as many people as I possibly could. Good. The 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 presentations and the speakers were so insightful. It was really really nice to um hear similar challenges that people were facing, yeah. you know, to kind of help bolster me up and it was also really great to find solutions that people were using for the problems that I was running into or, you know, the the problem solving that I needed to do. And um it was honestly a game changer and not just that, but it's continued to be really beneficial in my life. Like everyone that I've met at that event and who was a speaker I followed on LinkedIn and the CS space, as you kind of mentioned on LinkedIn, and especially within the CSE community is really active and really proactive in terms of like sharing best practices and encouraging you know one another to push cs as a critical function within business and it has opened my eyes to the fact that this is my place like customer success oh. is my place like i've yeah. landed in an industry that is you know mine and i can really really shine with my skills and my abilities and and i actually enjoy it too you yeah. know like i in i sales. never understood why you know when people would say i love my job like, sure. Okay. Like, <laughs> great. I, I kind of believe you, but now I yeah. understand. Like, I enjoy oh. coming into work and I enjoy working with my team and I enjoy working with our customers. And of course, I have hard days. Of course, yeah. I have bad days. You're any human. <laughs> ultimately, like, I love what I do. And I know that that's not always the case for everyone in customer success. And my biggest advice is. Ask yourself why. You know, like why don't don't you love what you're doing? Why don't you love your job? Why don't you love your company? Because there are positions, there are companies, there are places where you're welcome, and CS is welcome, and it can thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that we're fairly new. The industry is fairly new <laughs> to business. Yeah. Like in the past eight years, it's really kind of taken off. But um, there's only good things to come. I think the industry and and so find your place find your place and Customer Success Collective is an awesome place to start because the support and the resources that are available, there's not another place like it, in my opinion, that I have found.
0: For any listeners who are thinking, oh you know, they're listening to this podcast and thinking they're wanting to make that jump into cus- into the customer success world. I feel like your answer there was just a ringing endorsement of why why it's so good. I think it's 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 so lovely to hear how passionate and how happy you are, like actually content, because, you know, you do hear about people saying, oh, I love my job. It's the best, you know, and actually to right. listen to you. Yeah, of course. But we've all heard that. Haven't we've all heard, you know, been like, oh, yeah, cool. cool. Sure, sure. You sure you love it. But it's actually like hearing you speak and this whole episode is just, it's so lovely to hear because you're clearly like, yes, yeah, so passionate about it. And you found, yeah, like you said, you found
1: your place. Ah, thank you, Grace. I I definitely have. And I'm really, really grateful for the customer success collective because I've met amazing people. I have yeah. unlimited resources. <laughs> I feel like every time I'm like, oh, I need something and I'm able to find it. The articles that you guys write, the playbooks that you put out, it's, um, these are all like things that have oh, really, really helped us. So yeah, well, thanks this is, for the work that you guys are doing. This is the
0: reason we do it. This is the reason we do it. You know, to help yeah. and guide, and also you're also giving back back to us as well. It's just like the the great thing about communities. It's like and being community led is that it kind of works both ways. You know, you coming on the podcast and sharing your very, you know obviously everybody you know I don't think we can talk about building a cs function from scratch enough because it's Mm -hmm. so different it's so different from from company to company like somebody might have you know somebody might write an article about it next week but it's going to not going to be the same as yours right Right. your lived experience of it so this is why it's so useful and I think why people need to be speaking and talking more you know that's why we put on these events and why we you know why we have you know a slack channel for people to talk to
1: and you know for people to Put, pull their pull their ideas together um yeah but yeah absolutely i i want to share one more thing i was um i had a conversation with someone that i actually met in the slack cs oh, really slack oh, community. in real life <laughs> yeah well we were we had a zoom so uh, i guess yeah, it's like good. tech real life you know Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um she she had come into the you know the community and said like i have no idea what I'm doing. I've, I've never been in customer success before. I work mm-hmm. for a really small company and the, they're basically telling me, figure it out. You know, like, so does yeah. anyone have any advice? And I was like, ah, oh, you're my people. Like, that's my people because <laughs> I was in the same space, you know, like where I was new. I've never done like this specific mm-hmm. segment of post sales and I had to start from the ground up. So it was one of the best conversations that I've ever had. And, you know, she, she is incredible. She's so brilliant and so smart. She just needed a little bit of direction on where to start and kind of like mm-hmm. where to start building, yeah. um, and be pointed into some resource direction. So I will say I am an open resource. Uh, please tap into my network on LinkedIn or in the CSE Slack community. If you need help or want to have a conversation, I'm happy to, you know, schedule some time to talk about it because you're right grace it's the community is so important and especially for professionals like us in the communication industry it's like kind of what fuels us anyways (laughs) so (laughs) you know please please reach out if you're kind of in this same position of all right i'm new to the industry i have to build this from Mm -hmm. nothing i'm not sure where to start i'm happy to help well i'll link i'll link your linkedin um profile link to the the
0: the show notes of this podcast and also the two books you refer you mentioned in case people want to you know yes, yeah. in case people awesome. want to read them um and yeah of course you can find, find Jenna in the slack channel as well but i think that's that's going to be the end of this episode today but that's incredible i, I love speaking to you today Jenna. that was so i feel like there are going to be so many people who have listened to this and who have been maybe not exactly the same situation as you, but there will be definitely parts of your situation like that they can they really sort of resonate with and be like, ah, I've been really stuck on that point. Like, I think. Oh, just, I
1: hope so. I think yeah, you just shared I, I so many great so.
0: insights um and it's going to I think it's going to help a lot of people. So thank you mm-hmm. so much.
1: Thank, thank you, thank you so Grace. This was me. so great.
0: Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to check out our other episodes and go to the customersuccesscollective.com for even more customer success related content. You can also join our global community on Slack and you can find the link to that on the CSC website. But until then, see you next time.